Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, and welcome to the fourth and final episode in our series about foster care month, which is happening in the month of May. I really hope that this four part series have been informative to you. I hope it has created empathy within you. And I hope that you're able to look around and maybe love those better who are in a situation that involves foster care or adoption just through hearing the words of the people that we've had on our show speak about it. Today on the show is Whitney Fur, and Whitney lives in Colorado with her husband and dogs And Whitney came on to talk about her journey and what it has looked like for her to place her child for adoption nine years ago. This is an important conversation because there are a lot of narratives about birth parents that simply are not true. There's a lot of narratives around birth parents that have been created from ideas that we might have from TV shows or movies. And Whitney and I have a really honest conversation about that. She says some things that I will probably never forget about what it was like for her to place her child for adoption. And so this is an important conversation for us all, because like she says in here, chances are, you know, someone who has placed their child for adoption. If you missed any of our other episodes, we have Jamie Finn from Foster the Family Organization. We have Tori Hope Peterson, who wrote a book entitled Fostered, which releases in August, and she's a foster care survivor. And just on Wednesday, we had Patoya Hall, who is a foster turned adoptive mom and lives here in Texas with her daughter. Guys, don't forget, we're going to have information for you up on the website, jamieivy.com slash foster. If you go there, not only are you going to find information about all of the episodes that we had today, but we're also going to share resources and other conversations that we've had on the happy hour that would be applicable to you wanting to learn more about foster care and or adoption. So check it out. It's jamieivy.com slash foster. Friends, I would love it if you would share about the show. The best way that people find out about this podcast is by friends telling them about it. Take a screenshot, send it to your friend, text them and tell them about it. Maybe you have friends in the foster care world and you think these four episodes are going to be great for them. We would love it if you shared it with your friends. And one of the best ways to do that is by leaving us a rating and or a review over on iTunes. It really helps people find the podcast when we see the things that you are sharing with your friends. You guys, we've just been celebrating all week about the podcast course that we're creating. And you guys have asked so many questions and you want to know about now. I will tell you, number one, it's not ready yet, but it is coming. And we are so excited about it. To stay up to date, go to jamieivy.com slash courses. That's jamieivy.com slash courses. There you can sign up to know exactly when the podcast course is released. And you will not miss a thing if you sign up there. So go to jamieivy.com slash courses to get all the information about our upcoming podcast course. All right, friends, my conversation with Whitney is one you do not want to miss. Here she is. And don't forget, all the information about all these shows is at jamieivy.com slash foster. Whitney, welcome to the happy hour. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Jamie. Well, I'm excited about having you. You are finishing up our four-part series uh, for Foster Awareness Month, and we've been talking with some amazing women about just adoption and and foster care and and what that has looked like in their personal lives. Everyone has their own story and their own journey. And so I'm glad to have you here to finish us out. And the reason that we asked you to come on here is because um, nine years ago, you placed your son for adoption. And so we wanted to make sure, because I believe it's important to have voices from every part of the adoption triad. And so 
Thank you for coming on and sharing your story. And before we jump into your story, just introduce yourself to all the people listening. Yeah. So um, thanks so much. My name is Whitney Fur. Um, just moved to Denver from Austin, Texas. So Jamie, I used to be where you were. Now, now I'm not. Um, and I am married to Jack Fur. We've been married for about four and a half years. And we have two uh, fur children. They are Cleo and Rosie and they're dogs. <laughs> what kind of dogs? Uh, one is like a cattle dog mutt. Um, okay. And then the other one is a German Shepherd Great Pyrenees. We rescued both of them, but one of them, you know, she's like a 50-50 split. So they're really pretty. <laughs> are they inside dogs or outside dogs? They're inside dogs. They're spoiled. Okay. So yeah. Mine are too. I was just thinking like this morning I got up and I realized I had this like little bit of like a... a a muscle pain in my leg. And then when I realized how I had been sleeping all night, it was because my 60 pound Labradoodle (laughs) was like across the bed. Our dogs sleep in our room, in our bed. They're just like a part of our family, even though we do have children. (laughs) Yeah, no, we, uh, one of them, the smaller one will sleep with us, but Rosie will like sleep right on top of your shoulder if she does sleep with us. And, uh, yeah, we always wake up with, you know, aches and pains that she does. Yes. So, <laughs> and then I'm like, I don't know why I didn't just kick her off, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. We really love our dogs. I know it's ridiculous. Um, well, I'd love for you to just give us an overview of your story and then we're going to yeah. dive in and have questions because I think one of the things that I have found as being an adoptive mom for the past, um, 17 years yeah. is that there are a lot of misconceptions about everything that has to do with adoption, foster care. There are a lot of misconceptions about women who place their children for adoption. Yeah. And so <laughs> I would love to hear your story a little bit, and then I want to dive in and ask you some questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So just a little, uh, background. I was, I was raised in a Christian home, um, and I was actually adopted. Um, so it's a little crazy. Um, yeah. and then, you know, I, kind of fell away from the faith, did fall away from the faith. Um, and, um, in college started dating this guy, we dated for about two and a half, three years. Um, and, uh, after we broke up, we, uh, you know, ran into each other and had a, a one more, you know, a little fling one more time. And then, uh, found out about three months later that I was pregnant. Um, and so, you know, during that season, um, a lot of things happened, um, in my life that kind of, I mean, right away, my parents were kind of like, Hey, you know, we found an adoption center that you can go to. And so, um, right away adoption was kind of the idea. And, um, around the time that I was kind of debating on whether or not that's really the way that I wanted to go, uh, my mom got diagnosed with cancer. And so, yeah, <laughs> so that kind of like, you know, solidified things for me. My dad couldn't even make scrambled eggs. Like he, uh, he was like, there's no way we can raise this baby alone. And, um, thank goodness. My mom is like, I guess nine years in remission now. Um, and Amazing. so, yeah, so she's healthy. Um, but all that to say, um, you know, adoption was the, the course of action that we took and, uh, the, biological father was not involved, um, at all. And, uh, I don't even think his family knew that I was pregnant, which is kind of crazy. Um, and so we, you know, I placed him, I found a home through this adoption agency. Uh, they were great. They could not have kids, um, like biological kids at all. So they had adopted once before. And, um, so they were looking to adopt again. And yeah, so I placed him actually on Mother's Day, which was mm. um, the world's cruelest joke. Um, and, and, you know, I think the last nine years have been 
a lot of me healing and kind of figuring out how does my story, um, yeah, like how can I impact other people um, in a way that glorifies God and also honors these women and, and children and men who, mm-hmm. you know, have uh, gone through adoption. So, yeah. Was this in the state of Texas? It was, yes. Okay. Okay. So we adopted our son domestically in the state of Texas. So I'm familiar a little bit with um, some of the rules and laws there that happen because every state is different, you guys. Like every single state, it's different on on parental rights from the mother, from the father, from how many days you have after you place that you can, what's the word? It starts with an R. um, You can relinquish your white, right? Relinquish. Yeah. 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 And then you can actually like change your mind sounds really, really weird. But, no, when, you. when we were, yeah, it is what it is. When we were going through our domestic adoption process, um, I admit, and this was, you know, 18 years ago, I was really scared at first of this whole um, relationship with um, a birth mom. Yeah. And uh, the only kind of context I had was like lifetime movies, you know? Yeah. And so that's all I had. And, and I read a book and I'll try to link it in the show notes because. I can't even remember the full title, but title, but I believe it was something like "Dear Birth Mother" or something like that. Okay, yeah. And do you know this book? I I don't, but I my mom read it. <laughs> okay, okay. So, yeah. so I read that book, and what that book did for me was it made these women real people because yeah. I had this like kind of imagination of a real scary woman who would like yeah. show up in the curtain blinds looking into my house. I mean, yes. this is what the movies no like, yeah. portray us to be, and so. I would like to just start way back back at the beginning when you were thinking about um, placing your son, yeah, for adoption. And I want to I want to draw the listeners' ears to a couple of just words that we're using. Like I don't know if you've heard me say a few times, like placing your child, yeah, which is so. Okay, so I want to go back to like when you thought about placing, and so we're not using the words like giving your child away, yeah. those kind of things. So when you thought about that. Like that was nine years ago. That wasn't a flippant decision. What no. was it like in that journey of deciding to do that? And you're also 21 years old, yeah. you know? And so being 30 now, you have a little bit of like emotional stability and maturity behind right. you. But as a 21 year old, this is, this is a hard decision. What was that like for you? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I wish that I could say that I had like thought a lot about it at the very beginning. Um, but I'm not a very emotional person. Um, and I also have a tendency to pretend like things aren't as bad as they are, which is great, but also not great. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I found out I was pregnant, I mean, my first thought was, you know, like I, I went and did an ultrasound because I thought this baby was like, probably not alive because of my life choices Mm -hmm. up until that point. And then when, when I saw him, I was kind of like, okay, so my whole life is like now about keeping this baby healthy and alive. But at the same time, my next thought was this needs to be over in, you know, seven months because I was three months pregnant at the time or six months. And so I think for me, initially that decision was like, yeah, we're just going to be pregnant. We're going to have this baby. And then we're going to like move on with our lives and everything's going to return back to normal. Um, and then, you know, I, I think about halfway through is when I was kind of like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can place him, but I kept going back to, I don't have the, like, I don't have the skill set to be a mom. And I never, I had never wanted to be a mom. Like, mm-hmm. uh, my whole life I, I at 16, I like asked my mom if I could get my tubes tied, like, <laughs> and so parenting was just like, not on my radar. Um, but you know, in, 
you know, you said that we have like birth moms have a certain number of days to kind of change our minds. And that was when like in the hospital is when I was like, I don't want to do this. Like I want to take him home. And at that point, you know, my parents were like, Whitney, you don't even have diapers at home. Like there, you don't have any, um, skill set really to, or resources to mm-hmm. take care of him. And so I think that at the end of the day, I wanted him to have all the things that I had had and, and more. And so that's kind of what led to that, like final decision of like knowing that I couldn't give him everything that mm-hmm. I wanted to give him. You know, a lot of women will say, people will say things to Aaron and I, that makes us really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. I'm like, please stop. Like there's, we're just exactly like you. Like, yeah. the, and it feels really like, and I hate it when they say it in front of our kids because my kids are like, uh, no, they're not. Can I tell you what I did last night? I got to do my yes. chores. And, but I, it elevates us in this weird position that we shouldn't be elevated to. And we never want to be elevated to. Right. Yeah. And I think for the same thing happens to moms who place their children for adoption. And a lot of things I've heard people say to, to birth moms is like, this is the bravest thing you've ever done in your entire life. Yeah. And did it feel brave in the moment? No, I, I'm glad that you brought that up. I hate when people say that. Um, and, you know, I know that people mean well. I think in general, people don't really know how to handle adoption. Yeah. Um, and so I think they just start saying things and it's like, oh, what? Um, <laughs> I ran that, you know, I ran into that my whole life as an adopted kid. And then as a birth mom, you're kind of just like, yeah, people just don't know what to say when it comes to adoption. And I, I remember, you know, I had close friends who were like, you're, you're so brave for doing this. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm literally giving him. And I know we don't say giving him away, but but you're 21 and that's what you felt. Yeah. And I was, I was like, I'm choosing the easy way out. And I think, you know, another thing is that the the way that we talk about birth parents after they play, like we don't really display them in this heroic light. So it kind of feels like, which I don't think we, we need to, like, that's not what I'm saying, but it's kind of like, yeah, you're saying that I'm brave, but like the way that we act toward birth parents isn't really reflected that way. And so it kind of feels like you're just saying this to me because you don't know how to engage in this conversation. Um, And I mean, I felt a lot of shame and guilt and, um, yeah, I felt like I had like kind of abandoned him or given up on him. And so then when someone comes and says, oh, you're so brave, you, you're just like, I'm not, (laughs) Yeah, that's not what you're feeling. You're not like I'm the bravest woman that's ever lived. Yeah. You're probably feeling like I'm the worst woman that's ever lived. Yes. Yeah. 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 So let's just kind of talk about this for a second then. Um, and I want you to, I want you to give me two answers. I want you to give me an answer as a 21 year old and then an answer now, nine years later. Yeah. What did you want people to say to you? Like, what did you want someone to say to you six months later? And what do you want someone to say to you nine years later? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think the answer is the same, maybe a little, I think back then I would have really appreciated if someone had just been like, this must be really hard. Um, because then I would have felt seen, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, even asked me like, how can I, how can I like help you in this or what do you need? I think those are the things that would have been most helpful. Um, and now I think, 
I think the question is very similar of like, that must've been hard or the statement is very similar of like, that must've been really hard, but also how has that impacted your life now? Um, because that gives me an opportunity to like share how the Lord has changed my life. And I mean, even from like a, you know, um, secular perspective, it's like, let me engage in this dialogue and maybe shed a different light onto things and, and tell you how it has impacted me because I'm a human being, not, I don't need you to like, uh, you know, decide for me how, how I'm supposed to be portrayed or how I should feel. (laughs) Right. I think one of the things that gets hard for people is then that the, um, the point of conversation then moves to this, to the baby, which is valid and and real and, and it is fine. Right. But there is this sense of like, oh, what about this woman who went home for you, like on Mother's Day, which is <laughs> the cruelest joke in the world, you said. Yeah. Um, I I, I want to ask what everyone's wondering is, do you have an open adoption? What does that look like for you now? Yeah, I do. Um, and I would say that that's like, you know, for, for me growing up adopted, I didn't, I had a semi-open adoption and um, meaning I would get a birthday card. <laughs> um, but I really wanted to be involved in his life because I didn't want him to have questions. I, I formed a lot of um, beliefs about myself that were not true because I didn't Mm. have any sort of like origin story. Um, And, you know, my parents did the whole, like your mom just wasn't in a place to, but you know, you hear, you see lifetime shows and you're like, my mom was a terrible human Uh who like, you know, is probably lying in a ditch somewhere. Right. So I wanted him to, yeah, know who I was. I wanted him to make sure that he knew that he was not like forgotten, um, but that he was loved and that I really just didn't have the ability at the time to take care of him, but that I wasn't um, like leaving him or that I, I didn't think that he was a burden or mm-hmm. un, unwanted. Um, all the things that I think adopted kids kind of struggle with. I wanted to make sure that I was there to like, correct the narrative that might be going yeah. through his head. Yeah. Um, and so, so, how, I get, so what does that actually look like? Yeah. So at the beginning it was, I got pictures like almost every week. My, uh, the adoptive families did like a really good job, maybe too good of a job. <laughs> I guess maybe it was monthly, but I would get like a huge stack of, Aww. yeah. And that also was like really painful. I mean, everything is painful. Um, but you know, I would get these pictures and then I would be like, I don't know if I want to look at these, but I have to look at them. They're my son. Um, and then at the six month I got to see him, which was really sweet. Um, cause he, you know, is like a lot older compared to, I mean, he looks like an actual human instead of an alien. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then I get to see him at least once a year. Um, and you know, he'll FaceTime me sometimes, which is really sweet. Um, and his mom will text me. We have a pretty good relationship. You hear different stories. Like one birth mom that I talked to, she goes skiing every year with her adopted or with her son or her biological mm-hmm. son. And I think I had the expectation that I would just be like living life right alongside them. And so I had to adjust my expectations. And I think for them too, the, the birth mom that they had with their other son wasn't really around and she maybe mm-hmm. should have been around. And so I think they were probably really cautious, but it's been really sweet, especially now that he's older. Um, Whenever we hang out, he will, he'll be like, 
birth mom. Like that's what he'll call me. And so we'll be like at the park and he's like, birth mom, watch this. And I'm like, <laughs> that, <laughs> I'm sure kids hilarious. are like, why are they like, she's just mom, like yeah. birth just, mom. You, you can just use mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's really sweet. I think it's a, a weird thing, you know, hanging out with, uh, his mom and him because it's, you never want to feel like she is his mom. She's the one who, you know, is up in the middle of the night, changing his diapers, feeding him, you know, cleaning up his throw up, like all the things that moms do. But I think, you know, they do a really good job of making sure that he knows who I am. I think it's so important. Yeah. I told you that I had a, a kind of a skewed view of birth parents when we started this 18 years ago, I read that book and immediately knew that I wanted to pursue an open adoption. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for me, part of my story is that I got pregnant twice in college and ended yeah. up having two miscarriages. And so I never had to walk the road that you walked or make the choices that you did. But I did sometimes when we were in the process think, I mean, what if my road would have looked different? Right. You know, and what yeah. if I would have had to make this choice? I kept thinking, like, what would I have wanted? You know, yeah. and when we adopted our first son, um, I had a biological son who was 22 months old. And so I just kept thinking if I would have been in this different situation and I would have had to have placed Kaden for adoption, what would I want? Like yeah. that, I just kept thinking, what would I want as yeah. a person? And so it was super, super helpful for me. You guys in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. You know, one of the things that you mentioned that you struggled with that I think all of us struggle with in one way or another, but I kind of want to like zone in on, on your particular story. Yeah. Is this idea that you said, you know, people would be like, you're so brave. You made like the bravest decision, but yet you're hearing lies like from Satan. You're yeah. hearing lies telling you like, 
you're awful. You're the worst. Who yeah. does, what kind of person does this and all those things. And I can only imagine that those things didn't go away right away. So what was your journey like of maybe even, I don't know, I think you were not a Christian at the time. So what yeah. did it look like carrying the story of yours <laughs> yeah. uh, into like new life with Jesus? How, how has that been for you? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's been, it's been a really long process, especially because as I said, I like to stuff feelings. So, um, I became a believer during my pregnancy. Um, the Lord was just so close to me and I started reading my Bible and it was very lonely. You know, you're in a college town and you don't really have anyone when you're pregnant, um, especially when your whole life revolved around partying and you can't do that when you're pregnant. Well, you can, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't. Um, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's our little public service announcement. right yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I became saved and, you know, soon after I had him, I moved to Austin where my sister was just to get out of the life that I had. I needed, I needed a new start. I, joined a church, Dawson Stone, I think you're familiar. <laughs> um, I joined that church, like almost immediately. I mean, I think the second day I was in Austin, I went to wow. church there and I immediately found, um, a small group that was filled with women. And, you know, for a long time, I was like, no one can know my story, um, mm. because I'll be kicked out of the church. And I think you said something similar to that. I read your book a while back and, okay, <laughs> and I think you said something like, if people knew this, I mean, your yeah. book is called if I, if they only if, knew, if but, you only knew, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I met a friend of mine, you know, we had like accountability groups and I felt like she probably, I had this very like weird perception of Christians. But I was like, she probably already knows my story. Like God has probably given her a vision or something. <laughs> like and when then, you walk in, there's like a neon sign. Birth <laughs> yes, birth exactly. Birth I was birth. like, everyone knows. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to have to tell her my story. So I told her, and you know, at this time, I think it had only been like three months mm-hmm. and, um, she received me by just like loving. I mean, we're still really good friends. Um, she was so gracious and she was like, man, I have a story too. Like, it's not the same as yours, but we all like have missed the mark when it comes to, you know, when it comes to living up to the standard that is Christ, um, we all fall short. Right. And so, um, I think that was like kind of the first step in a very long process of healing. Um, I think at some level, I kind of did believe that like the Lord had saved me because of something that I could bring to the table or, mm-hmm. you know, because I was a birth mom, maybe he like saved me. And I, I had this kind of skewed perception of myself. And maybe some of it was that I was like convincing myself that I was brave um, or mm-hmm. that I, you know, whatever. And yeah. so I remember though, I was working for the church. Um, at the time uh, it had been like two years and I was going to counseling because the church pays for some counseling, which is super helpful. Um, and I had, I don't remember what the conversation had been, but then, you know, I was in worship and I was like, oh my gosh, I am the sinner. Like I am not worthy of any of this. And I, I felt like a lot of shame and guilt and just being like, I am wretched And that was kind of the start to, you know, me realize, like coming to terms with what I had done um, and feeling the like full weight of that. And then, you know, I guess walking through that, I mean, I've been in counseling now for nine years. Um, I, I think 
getting married was, or I guess meeting Jack was a huge part of that healing process. Um, when I told him we had only been dating for about two months, but I was like, he's going to dump me as soon as he finds out. So like, let's rip the bandage off. Just get this over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, he, his response was, but that's how you came to know Jesus. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay, then like, it's, mm-hmm. we're good. And yeah. You know, I have a lot of stories like that where it's just like people have met me with grace. And I mean, I don't know if every single person that has heard my story is like, you know, I don't think that's everyone's reaction, but right. the Lord has been so good to not show me those, uh, the like negative. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, even after we got married, I, I, I mean, the last year has been probably like, bef- I guess like a year and a half ago, we had like the hardest year of our marriage. And I was kind of like, you have got to go because I am a terrible person and Mm -hmm. I'm ugly and I don't think I can ever change. And at that point, I, you know, that's when I think my counseling really started and it was like, let's dig into all of this. And my worth and my identity is not found in the things that I did or will do. Um, I think there's this like perception that once you become saved, you, you stop sinning or something. And that's not true. Um, and I think it's a daily, maybe not daily, but it is a fight to remember like the things that Satan is whispering in my ear is not the true story. And Mm. I've been, you know, I've been made new. I've been given a new heart. Um, I love that passage that says, I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that's what the Lord has done. Um, and I have to like, remember that it's not a, it's not really like an afterthought for me. I have to live in that. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's really easy for Satan to just quickly, you know, paint a new story for me. Yeah. And that shame is really heavy and it impacts, I think it impacts us more than we realize. Yeah. I think it's too, like, I can relate to everything you just said. That's like my entire story as well. Um, And I think there's just, did you grow up in church? I did. did Yeah. So I think there's even this like kind of weird thing that those of us that grew up in church have around like sex even. And so it was just, I had to do a lot of unpacking there. But it felt to me when I when I got pregnant, I don't know if you can relate to this, that I had done the absolute worst thing that I could ever do in my entire life. Yes. Like getting pregnant was actually worse than having sex. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> no, it was. Yeah. Sure. And so I think I also had to unpack a lot of like, I, I'm not saying it wasn't a big deal because it definitely was a big deal. And yeah. I hope my kids don't have sex until they get married. I hope right. all those things, I think it matters. I think God cares right. about our sex life. Um but I kind of felt like I had this worse sin that any other girls did. Yes. And so I want to hear like even you talking about those first couple of years. Um, and I didn't realize you got saved when you were pregnant. I mean, yeah. you're, you're like, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. And, and in the midst of maybe one of the most difficult things you'll ever walk through. Yeah. Um, how did you like practically? Cause you know, you said it's been a, a nine year journey, but there's some people who are like, that's my day-to-day life. I feel that every single day. Right. Practically. What did it look like for you to daily even? I don't know. Yeah. Try to tell yourself what was true about yourself when you were only believing what was not true. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I did not do this perfectly. As I said, I like have stumbled yeah. many times, but, um, I think the first thing was just spending, I spend time in the word. I try every day. Um, and when I don't, man, I notice it pretty quickly. Uh, like there, 
recently I spent like three days where I didn't spend any time in the word. And I like quickly just noticed like a heart change, you know, like I was angrier and I, my like go-to reaction with everything is anger. So I just get like (laughs) irritable faster. And I was like, what is going on? Like, why am I so cranky? And I was like, oh, well maybe you should just like spend time with Jesus. Um, and so that was one thing. I think another thing is, especially at the beginning, I would write all these different verses on my mirror, uh, of like what was true about me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you're a a chosen, a chosen race or royal priesthood. Uh, those were like some of my favorites, uh, you know, just God kind of letting that like sink in and remind me, this is who I am. Um, I'm not that old person anymore. And, and another thing, this is going to sound silly, but I really have to watch what kind of music I listen to and when I listen to it. Wow. Tell me more. I mean, I love music and it impacts me so much. Like I, I feel like music is just, I wish I could say that I was like super, uh, musical. Uh-huh. I played piano growing up and then I like forgot. So, yeah. uh, but I love to sing and I won't sing in front of anyone, but you know, love music. But I think that like you can, it will like change your mood. Um, you can listen to, I mean, especially, you know, if you listen, I used to listen to like really dark, uh, uh, like angry rock music growing up. And I cannot listen to that because it just, it pulls, I mean, it's kind of, it's very (laughs) self-deprecating and, um, I can quickly let that like spiral into these like negative thoughts about myself. Um, I mean, there's even certain times that I'm like, man, I don't need to be listening to this like stupid country song that talks (laughs) about like, you know, cheating on your, like, you know, whatever. Like there's certain yeah. times I'm just like, I don't need to listen to that right now. Yeah. And it's like a daily, you know, some days I'm like, this is fine. And then other days I'm like, we're only listening to worship music today. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I think, but having, even having, um, there's this song that's, Oh, I am a child of God. And she like declares it and like belts mm-hmm. it. And there have been season where seasons where I just like have to listen to that over, yeah, and, over, over and over and over because it's, it's what God says, but sometimes you know, sometimes it's hard to yeah hold on to. So. It is true. It is true. Now that you're, you know, nine years on the other side of this part of your story, yes. um, what do you want like people to know? Yeah. Not even necessarily about you, but like, what do you want even in this conversation today? Like, if you're like, there's one thing I want the masses to know about birth parents and, yeah. and birth moms. Um, and birth, that is what you refer to yourself as a birth mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We go back and forth with our kids between birth mom and first mom. And I don't really yeah. have a care. It's just, it is what it is. Um, but what do you want people to know? Not even particularly about you. Yeah. But I mean, there are women. Right. Like all right now, hun- like thousands of women who are yeah. in the middle of going, I don't know what to do because this is a detour I didn't plan on having. Right. No, that's, I mean, I think my story is you know, a story that, as you said, a thousand women could tell. And I don't want to make this about me. It is more for, I want, I want other people to know that one, I want to humanize birth parents. Um, I want to honor their stories and honor who they are. Um, I want people to know that like, they're no better than the people who I think it's twofold, right? Like Mm -hmm. a lot of times we elevate birth parents because they didn't choose abortion. But Mm -hmm. to me, 
I don't feel any different about like, mm. I, and you know, I don't know how, you know, correct that is. And I can't mm. imagine the pain that women go through that mm. have experienced that. But for me, I felt like I was no better because I'm no, I am no better. I'm a mm. sinner. And so on one hand, I think it's like, Hey, these people feel a lot of guilt and shame. And there's probably a lot of people that you're interacting with that you don't even know, like, because they're not going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, like the majority of people in my life do not know that I am a birth mom, um, because I'm not going to tell them. Yeah. Um, but, and I know it's funny cause I'm on a podcast because it just doesn't come up or because you don't want them to know. Yeah. And like, yeah, it doesn't come up. Like no one yeah. would ever ask like, Hey, do you You're not have like, a baby? Hey, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But even if like people joke around a lot about adoption, which I don't think people realize unless you're sensitive to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like if you knew that I was a birth and sometimes I've been like, should I tell them that like, yeah. I am a birth mom. Right. But then it's like, it's weird. Like, uh, uh you know, how that, yeah, because people don't know how to react. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think honoring those people and maybe, I mean, not maybe, and I think just changing the way that we talk about Mm. adoption in general, uh, like the way that we almost paint this picture of, Oh, they were removed from this like horrible situation, which a lot of times is true. I mean, it was true for me too. Like we can't paint this picture of being removed from this dark place to, I think you mentioned it in that podcast with Brittany, like savior, savior mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so much shame then for the birth parent who's like, yeah. God, they had to be removed from me or like yeah. they, I couldn't take care of them. So I think changing the way that we talk about things and, um, and just like honoring the story in a better way. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of birth parents who are still like, I am, I know I'm unique in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everyone gets saved in the middle of their pregnancy and, you know, join the church the next day. Not everyone has an open adoption. Right. Yes, relationship. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There's That's so why many every story is different. Exactly. But yeah. I think regardless, we can do a better job of saying these people are humans and they need Christ just as much as the next person. And how can we make sure that we're honoring them and loving them and like meeting them on their level, not just for the birth parents, but also for the kids, mm-hmm. um, for them to, I don't know, like see the church, like locking arms with their bio parents. Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I, it's so good. I always say that, um, adoption is always built on loss. Like there's no adoption that doesn't start with a loss. Yes. I mean, your story, you, you know, you joined your parents' family through adoption. Right. There was a loss there, you know, yeah. and, and your birth son, there's a loss there. And yeah. for all of my kids, there's a loss. And I, as an adoptive mom, I, there's losses for me as well. I mean, yeah. there's loss everywhere, you know, right. but there, I also get a lot of benefits <laughs> that, that you don't particularly get. And, and I don't mean that in a, I mean, that's just the reality of what right. it is. Yeah, but there is this way to honor the loss, yes. and I think I remember. I think I've told this story before. One of my kids, um, and since I have three through adoption, they'll never know who I'm talking about. But um, <laughs> I don't like to talk about my kids that much. But I, I do love this story because one of my kids, it was on like a Mother's Day or something. Yeah, and I found them pretty sad at night, and I look. It makes me want to cry a little bit. And I said, I said something about why are you sad or something, and they said something about you know I just don't know why she didn't 
want me. Yeah. And um, I said to them, I said, I know, and I'm really sorry like that, 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 that happened. I'm really sorry. And I was able to say to them only by talking to like brilliant people like you and reading books and having conversations, I was able to say like, I'm really sorry that that yeah. happened. Yeah. You know, because like, I think that's hard. Sometimes adoptive parents, I'm like, I'm not sorry. I'm your mom now. But yes. Like, <laughs> I actually am really sorry about that. Like, I'm sorry for your pain. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry yeah. for the whole thing. Like, none of this is right. Like, this is not right. how God planned exactly. humanity. You know, like it was yeah. broken in Genesis 3. And so I think too, just like if you're a, a parent and you're on this side of the adoption struggle, of just being willing to like sit in that loss yes. for everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's... I love that you bring that up because I think that's largely a huge part of my story has been, you know, we're just like going to paint over the like loss. Um, And yeah, you should be really happy that you got adopted. Um, Mm. And, but it's like, man, I think it was um, Susan Stabile has a podcast and I'm obviously a podcaster. I listen to a lot (laughs) of them. (laughs) Yeah. And she, she had a guest that said, you know, um, every adoptive family is, uh, you know, uh, I guess growing on top of a grave because there was a mm-hmm. death there. And I yep. loved that analogy because it, there is new life and that is yep. beautiful and it needs to be celebrated, but we also need to acknowledge like the pain that, yeah, like that every part of this triad has experienced. Um, yep. because without it, I, I think, that is how Satan creeps in and like starts feeding us these, these, you know, twisted truths. Yeah. And we need to be able to say like, Hey, this, this hurts and this sucks. Like as an adopted kid, I feel abandoned. And yeah. as a birth mom, I feel like I was the abandoner or the one who abandoned. Yeah. Um, and that hurts. And yeah. Yeah, man, I relate to so much to that story that you just told because I remember, like, I hate Mother's Day because of mm. uh, well, a lot now. Lot yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, blame you. Yeah, and thankfully, my mom, uh, because she had infertility issues, also hates for uh, Mother's Day. She actually was going to come up for Mother's Day this past this year coming up, and uh-huh. I was like, hey, I don't want to, like, I don't want to hear on Mother's Day because it's just like the. I, I go through like weird emotions on mother's yeah. day. Um, but yeah, it, there's a lot of loss. And I think Jamie, your reaction to that is just like you meeting them in that instead of trying to like, be like your mom did the best she could, or like, yeah. she does love you. It, it, Cause those feel like very empty words and, or saying like, but I love you, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't remember, <laughs> remember me. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, I just, this made me think like, I've heard a lot of people who struggle with Mother's Day. Yeah. And um, I think it's like the most, it might be like maybe one of the most complex holidays. It is. But Mother's Day is so difficult. I mean, because you've got people who've lost their mothers. Right. You've got birth mothers like you. You've got children who've been adopted who don't have a relationship with a a biological mom. You've got infertility. You have loss. Yeah. It's like everything comes together. And then it's also like super happy. Like I, I get to celebrate my mom and my kids have me. And so there's, it's the most complex it thing. Is. And so I want to ask you the hardest question. Yeah. How do we, as people who are not struggling with mother's day, yeah. because mother's day does not feel hard for me in this right. season. 
I yeah. imagine it will in some seasons if I lose <laughs> my mom or whatever, when I do, um, how do we, who are not struggling with mother's day, how do we love those of you that it's hard for? Yeah. Uh, I think just like acknowledging that there's a lot, like, as, like you just said, there's a wide spectrum, especially if someone doesn't have kids, maybe just acknowledge that they could be hurting. Um, mm-hmm. because like most people, as you said, have pro- like, they've probably experienced one of those things. Right. And I mean, I'm sure even at times when you were adopting your kids, like mother's day was probably, you know, if you were in the process of that mother's day was probably like, am I going to get to be a mom to this new baby? Like, yeah. um, so I think, yeah, just maybe acknowledging, Hey, these people like might be hurting mm. and I probably don't need to like, you know, uh, rub it in their face or something mm. that I, you know, that my kids got me flowers or something. Yeah. Like and yeah. don't get me wrong. Like I, I have gone out to, you know, I have friends who are moms and, and if I ever am a mom, uh, I will celebrate mother's day. So I don't yeah. think that we should be like, Oh, like my kids got me flowers yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. But I think just saying, maybe just asking people like, Hey, how are you doing today? Like, I think that is exactly how it is. Exactly. Yeah. And everyone's listening right now. Like, thanks a lot. Y'all mother's day was Sunday because this comes out and mother's day has already come and gone. But I would like to say that even like, you may feel like, Oh man, how did I react on Sunday? I right. think if you're a friend to someone and you don't know how they're feeling, man, it would be a really good friend. If you reached out and said, Hey, how was Sunday for you? Yeah, exactly. I think just like shooting a text to someone and saying like, yeah. Hey, it was yeah. How was mother's day? It means so much to me when someone asks me, like the people who know my story, when they say, Hey, how are you doing? Um, you know, Becca Harris, I think, I think she's been on the podcast. Um, she was just, she was just here. Um, but yeah, uh, she and I both have this weird feeling about mothers. There's lots of emotions with mother's day. So we'll every year since I've known her, we'll text each other and say like, Hey, how's Sunday? Yeah. And that goes a really long way. Whitney, I'm um I'm grateful for you sharing your story. Um, because I know that there is not this, you're not walking around everywhere everywhere just proclaiming <laughs> unless you're at the park. Yeah. And then they're like, birth <laughs> they mom, know. look at me. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, I think that's so hilarious. But thanks for sharing your story. And I'm I'm grateful to hear your story because everyone has a different story. And I think that our stories matter and I think stories change the world. Yeah. And I love hearing how God worked in your story and just um just your ability to come here today and yeah, honest and real and vulnerable. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks. I I really do appreciate you having me. And I went through a very weird season where I was like, I'm just going to pretend that adoption is not real. And then, well, first I was like, I'm going to serve in an adoption, you know, pregnancy center. That was a horrible decision. You should not Uh do that. You know, like a month after you place your child, (laughs) just word of advice. Yeah. And then, you know, went to the other end of the spectrum of like, I don't want to have anything to do with adoption. Like I'm going to serve in every other way. And, um, and now I'm like, no, God is, has done something here and he wants to use this. And, um, so yeah, I really appreciate you just letting me to share my story and, you know, hopefully, uh, honoring some some people who have experienced similar situations so yeah 
Okay. I'd love to hear what are you loving and what are you reading these days? Okay. I am loving. So I have a terrible time sleeping. I have the worst sleep anxiety in the world. It's been my uh, whole life. Um, okay. And I finally found this stuff. It's called beam dream. This is like an infomercial. I love uh, it. It's like a powder that, you know, it's like a tea basically that you make, except it's chocolate flavored. Uh-huh. Um, and it has been a game changer. I sleep. Okay. And so I love it. Um, my other thing also sleep related is that I have a weighted blanket. I just got it for Christmas and you love game it changer. Yes. I mean that with my beam, I'm out like a light. So uh, it's fantastic. Um, and then third thing I'm loving Oh, this is such a hard one. Um, and the last one's always the hardest. Um, I think the third thing I'm loving is, I don't know, just, I mean, this isn't a thing, but I think uh-huh. just being out here in Colorado and I'm yeah. loving the weather. I see the mountains when I walk outside and I'm just loving it. So I love that so much. <laughs> what are you yeah. reading? Okay. I just finished Jackie Hill Perry's, uh, holier than now. And holy moly, it was so yes. good. Oh my yeah. gosh. Uh, if you guys haven't read it, you should go. Um, I, I read it very slowly. Uh, so just finished it yesterday. And then um, other book I'm reading is called Honor. I cannot remember the author right now, but she basically is telling the story of this woman who was from India and uh, dealing with like, you know, the caste system and, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's a fiction novel, but it's okay. you know, based on, based on like true events. events. Yeah. 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 I love books good. like that. So really good. And then I'm trying to read the Bible in a year. It's going to be a year and a half, but you know, that's okay. Sipping along. No shame in that. No <laughs> yeah. shame in that. Well, I, uh, better than a, I, I give up around Leviticus every year. So I'm like, <laughs> you make it to there, you know, you're, you're going yeah, to do good. It. You're not going to get, yeah. uh, Whitney, thank you so much for coming on the happy hour. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to give you, and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're going to want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics are by Amaya Savoy Easton. The show is edited by Angie Elkins. And I'm your host every week, Jamie Ivy. And goodness gracious, I love being here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend.